Now you see it everywhere. On nowhere. every coffee cup? Every coffee cup. Every, every pen. Every pen, pencil, every straw. Everything has crazy, the brand. Isn't it? Right? So it's a phenomenon that... It's no uh, wonder people run to the hills for log cabins and forests. Yeah, and the quiet of the non-branded world. Mm-hmm. Nature. Mm-hmm. You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 110, PH Factor, Branding. Look at me, I'm relevant. Craving attention, craving quality, craving recognition, and ultimately craving ownership. It's all in the branding. So branding, uh, right from kind of announcing to the world, these cows are my cows, to the corporate branding of companies. Ownership. We own this brand. In other words, we own the image that connects to this brand. Mm -hmm. Right to individual brands through the social media networking, all of that where we can create our own brand. It's like an extension of colonization. Yeah, but what's being colonized? That's the question we're the gonna, property. we need to talk about. If I brand myself, now am I my own property? Am I untouchable? Am I off limits? Yeah. Can I trademark myself? And Yuval Harari in his book kind of points at that when he talks about how the human being is going to be hacked or is being hacked as we speak. Mm-hmm. And what that's saying is that we're being branded. Speaking of which, it's the opposite of irrelevant. How do you mean? Branding is not irrelevant. Branding is almost a counter to irrelevance. Yeah, so maybe it's a knee-jerk reaction to what Harari is pointing at, mm-hmm. that we seem to be becoming less and less relevant we as, need in, the brand as individuals. We to, to maintain our visibility. Otherwise, we just fall into the mass right. and become Waste, lost. abyss. Yeah, so this whole notion of I have to brand myself so that I will always be recognizable in the world. And the other aspect of it is what we've talked about before in terms of getting old and leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. You want to create something that is your brand that you leave behind so that people will remember, oh, that was Peter Noche's thing. Mm-hmm. That was special to Peter Noche. Just the way we talked about Edith Piaf in the last uh, podcast, mm-hmm. her brand was her depth of feeling and sorrow and her life. Life was her brand. Yes. Completely. That's what people identified with. Yeah. To me, I don't know about you, but the initial image I get of branding is pain. Mm -hmm. Sure. Searing flesh. (laughs) Okay. It used to really bother me as a kid when they used to wrestle these uh, cattle Mm -hmm. against their will and just burn their flesh. Yeah. Even though it's identification, I also see branding as, well, no different than the camps. Yeah, so now let's with take... With the numbers. Okay, so let's take that to the corporate level. When Apple comes out with their brands, mm-hmm. right, whether it's the Mac or what have you, the iPhone, and people fall in love with this brand and identify with it to the point where they won't even consider trying another brand, That's right. right? It's as if they've been branded, Yes. By that company. And now 
I belong to that company. Also, that company belongs to me. Well, yes, I kind of take ownership of it in a sense, as I adopt it as mm -hmm. part of my overall brand, which is what distinguishes me from the next guy that I work with Apple over here. I work with Volvo in the world of cars, and I've always driven a Volvo, so that's me. So my identity gets wrapped up in the various brands that I connect to. Well, nationality is a form of branding. Yeah, very good point. So branding can very be uh, a way to belong to groups. Mm -hmm. Apple groups, there are window groups, there are Coca-Cola, Pepsi groups. Sure. Well, look at and <laughs> the ultimate in branding was old Adolf's brand. Mm -hmm. And what did he do? The Heil Hitler salute was a physical manifestation of the brand. Just imagine if Nike had its fans swooshing with their hands, like mm -hmm. a woo woo, making a big check mark mm -hmm. in the air. This is what Hitler. Every time you, you met somebody, you went. Yeah, you'd swoosh with your arm. This is what Hitler had people doing yeah. with each other. And it's right inside your physicality. Yeah, it's internalized. Right. So, I mean, he yeah. was the maestro at branding in a way. Branding can be very visceral. What do you mean by that? You actually internalize it, you immediately associate. So, when I hear the word Apple, I just assume all their products are top notch. Mm hmm. Because right? that's no, what the brand is Yeah, the brand is suggesting saying. if you're yeah. going to own any device, it's going to be an Apple device. Right. It's like children's word association or image association. It's done very intentionally. Oh, totally. In my opinion, it's kind of a form of mind control. Totally it is. Advertising, commercials, they sear the brand into your brain. Because when somebody says, hand me a Kleenex, please... What they mean is, hand me a tissue, please, but they're saying the brand name of a particular company that was clever enough to get their brand so out there that people think of tissues as Kleenex first and tissues second. Right. They actually own the entire thing. It's not just the name. They own the thought form. Shades of Homo Deus. And wow. that's Harari's point in uh, Homo Deus, that by searing these images, associations... That's a way of hacking mm -hmm. the human mind. You mentioned Harari's name, and I think that's a good connection. Mm -hmm. uh, it really connects to relevancy. It's a form of maintaining relevancy. Even if you as an individual are deemed irrelevant, mm -hmm. if you belong to right. a group, yep. you maintain some persona. You're still mm -hmm. affiliated or associated with something. Yeah, and the reason we do that is because that something, that company, that ideology, that religion, that political party, gives us something in return for our allegiance to the brand, doesn't it? It can be I mean, in many forms. It can be in productivity. It can be in reliability, having a product that you can count on, so, i.e. Honda. Toyota, yeah. those can, are brands. It can be even, uh, if I'm a regular customer of the Royal Bank of Canada for 40 years and something comes up where I need a little bit of flexibility on their part or special treatment, they'll look at how long I've been connected to their brand mm -hmm. and they'll act accordingly. They may flex a bit on certain issues financially. So that allegiance to the brand can lead to certain perks coming back. It also increases data collection. How do you mean? Well, once you associate yourself with a brand, yeah. your energies are also going to be focused in that area, whether it's through your purchases, mm -hmm. whether it's through what you follow, 
Because yep. i.e. Apple, for example, Apple enthusiasts, they can't wait for the next conference to find out what the new product release is. Mm -hmm. So they're constantly gathering data as well. Mm -hmm. They've now got you into their vortex. <laughs> they keep pulling me back in right? into the vortex. Yeah, sure. So you now know, I can get a lot from you. You're not just buying my product. You're actually happy to give me feedback. Right. And on top of that, if I'm connected to this brand, it's not good enough for the Apple Corporation to simply give me this piece of technology and say, have fun with it for a few years. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. No, they have to come back a year later saying, check out this version of the phone that you've already got. It's even better. It's right. even more. They have to give you that little adrenaline hit each cycle, mm -hmm. else they're looked upon as not growing. Mm -hmm. And you, as the consumer, I'm thinking, this is starting to get like old technology a year from now. This is old. So I would consider that addiction. Exactly. It what aligns itself with addictive behavior. Totally totally aligns itself. You can go into the world of celebrity worship, same thing, mm, right? The, idol worship. The brand of Madonna, the brand of Elvis. Elvis is a consummate example of brand. You know, after his death, many, many years, his brand is making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars every year. The yeah. brand is making the money. He's not lifting a finger. He hasn't got a finger to lift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At least as far as we know. As far as we know. It's a ghostly <laughs> finger. But the brand, right. it's actually nothing physically, mm -hmm. is making millions of dollars well, we've given for the it, estate. We've given it value, much like we've given money value. Much like we give corporate entities pseudo-identity as entities mm -hmm. and uh, give them power as a result. But there's really nothing there. When you reach your hand out, all you get is a ghostly yeah. something, mm -hmm. right? And we call it a brand. Box, box. The current incarnation of the fake news problem has a lot to do with the model of the news and information market that we have constructed a model which basically says um, exciting news for free in exchange for your attention. And this is a very problematic model because it, it turns human attention into the most scarce resource and you get more and more competition for human attention with more and more exciting news that, again, and, and some of the smartest people in the world have learned how to excite our brain, how to make us click on the next news story. And truth gets completely pushed aside. It, it, it's not part of the equation. Uh, the equation is excitement, attention, excitement, attention. And on the collective level, I think the solution to this problem would be to change the model of the news market to high-quality news that cost you a lot of money, but don't abuse your attention. It's very strange that we are in a situation when people are willing to pay a lot of money for high-quality food and high-quality cars, but not for high-quality news. Box, box. Now, branding is not all negative, but we have to be careful here. That's right. Right? I'm looking now at a pair of very, very good quality headphones, mm. right? If the brand on that headphone wasn't obvious, I wouldn't know to go out and get one like that right. because it's good quality. That's a Sennheiser. Sennheiser. Yeah. Sennheiser. 
And so the brand is evident and it tells me this is a company that cares about the quality of their products. Because they're not afraid to have their name associated with it. Yeah. And there are a lot of brands out there that aren't very high quality Mm -hmm. and trumpet themselves as a leader in the field of whatever they're doing. Trumpet themselves as a leader in the field. That's... Yeah, Trump trumpets himself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's that aspect that it's not all negative. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't necessarily just... Well, it's not a tangible thing. Yeah, it's an idea. It's an idea. So It's an idea. Even you selecting these particular headphones, you have to know that that brand, you have to associate very positive things with it. Just because there's a name on it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or bad. No, but you've been told, right. oh, Sennheiser's good. Or you saw a commercial which suggested to you that they put a lot of care into their products. Mm-hmm. And so... Good German name, you, too. Yeah, we associate the German brand with good quality technology. Now, there's another discussion on branding, not just products. We actually associate countries. Yes, once upon a time, Japanese products, the Japanese brand was worth zero mm-hmm. because people looked at it and it was cheap and it would break. Much like we think of Chinese products now. That's right. That's how we saw Japanese products back in the 50s. And within two decades, that flipped on its head. Mm-hmm. And we suddenly go Japanese products. Cars and electronics. High quality. Right. Right? So it's possible to swivel a brand 180 degrees from pretty lousy to fantastic. Branding can also be a a personality trait. People associate you with being funny or serious. Mm. Yeah, and you can play that up. You can play that up. So people will see that in you more, yeah. Yeah, it's all predicated on advertising oneself or... Yeah, there's a word for it, the persona. Persona. That we project. It isn't necessarily who we are ultimately, Mm -hmm. but it's who we want people to see us as. Or, Or who people have expected us to be and we become that. Yeah, we become the brand that people put on us. So it's like the cattle, the branded cattle, identifying with the owners of the ranch Mm -hmm. and uh, not running away when they have a chance because they're so connected to that ranch that they don't leave. And honestly, I think also that when I extrapolate what we're talking about, I think that's what makes authenticity now such a valued thing because I think it becomes increasingly difficult to be authentic. Yeah, and how difficult it is for people to do good things in the world and not sign their name to it, mm-hmm. not trumpet, that they are the not ones blow their own horn. who did that and remember right. my name because I did this. How many people are out there? Do- and I think there are lots of people who are in day-to-day life, we do good things for each other and we don't expect that the world is going to recognize us mm-hmm. as such. We just do it. And that's where the authenticity comes in, is in the day-to-day and the small things. And I don't think that branding is all premeditated. I think sometimes you're not trying to be a brand, but you become a brand. Can you give me an example of that? Well, a person, for example, a particular personality trait or behavior. You may not be trying to be the entertainer, but I associate you with entertaining because I've come to know you that way. You Mm -hmm. express yourself in a certain manner. You weren't necessarily trying to be that. Right. So I've actually branded you as something mm-hmm. without you even wanting to be branded. Sure. Yeah. And in some cases, I don't even know that I've been branded in that way. Exactly. Some people except, might, except I can see your pants sizzling right now. <laughs> 
No, I mean, you yeah. know, if people came up to me, which they have from 20 years ago, and said, you are an incredible influence in my life, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, wow, well, what do you mean? I just, mm-hmm. I just said Did hello. And, and Chad, we chatted together. He said, no, yeah, you were, some of the things you said, and I really, you know, it really helped me this and that. And I go, wow. Mm-hmm. So they've branded me as a kind of mentor when I didn't even think anything. The word brand is a definition that we give, mm-hmm. product, service, whatever. Right. But it doesn't necessarily have to be good or bad. It's an identifier. Yeah. So a lot of the times it's overkill, I think, because we don't have another word to define it. Well, the, yes. And the, the difficulty we get with that is, say, in the political realm, we have X number of brands vying for power in government. Mm-hmm. In Canada, we've got the NDP and the Liberals and Conservatives, the Greens now are coming up. You know, mm-hmm. And all of them are sort of branding themselves as a certain kind of party, positioning yourself to be seen as this. By association. Yeah. But if you didn't brand yourself, you couldn't get anywhere. You're forced almost to brand yourself as a party, for example. It's almost, you could say, a point of focus. Yeah, what do you stand for? for. That's your brand. Right. Same with any corporation. What does Nike stand for? Just do it. But if you say, what do you stand for, even though you're saying the same thing, what do you stand for? It sounds much more palatable. Yes, sure it does. We've given brand in some ways. We've given it a negative connotation. Yeah. Interesting to talk about the arts in that way, because... Artists, other than, say, in the music industry, mm. maybe, a lot of the musicians kind of brand themselves Particular in a certain style. Way. Certain style, yeah, certain genre that they connect to. And mm-hmm. I'm the ultimate country singer. And they do everything that the ultimate country singer should do, from the dress to the twang and their voice to the way they sing the songs. Even to the way they conduct interviews. Yeah, yeah. that they're trying to live this brand to its ultimate end. And it's just not real. And we see it is not real. We see that it's not real. But other artists are much more genuine in their art, and they just create the work, and they let the work speak for itself. They're not there as a brand to take the energy. The painter puts the painting out there, not themselves. We've mentioned the Beatles numerous times in various aspects of conversations and podcasts that we've done. They're, in my opinion, the epitome of what you're describing. I don't think they themselves ever sought out at least the feeling I get from listening to them. I never saw them as right. becoming that or, or even aspiring to that. Yeah, I think back, back, even before the Beatles, mm. and through that period, musicians in particular were just trying to make good music. Music. But gradually, that shifted more and more to you have to build your brand right from the beginning. And you see that in young artists. You see Mm -hmm. it on YouTube and these people that they've already branded themselves before they've actually created the authentic music that they're there to create. But part of that, I think, is also because it's becoming more and more difficult because of the incredible amount of information and media that we're surrounded by. Yeah. It becomes much more difficult to differentiate yourself. Well, branding is a form of organizing of information. Yeah. It's it, taking it a chaotic situation and organizing. Simplifying it, condensing it to a, a phrase. Right. Just do it. Make America great again. Mm-hmm. It makes it very simple. It's also designed to... Uh, cut through the noise. Cut through the noise, attract you in to 
consume that particular product, whatever it is. It's a way of raising the volume without saying a word. Yeah, sure. You just make a big swoosh on the wall. People immediately know that this is about Nike. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say anything. And then Nike, of course, will pay millions upon millions of dollars to athletes and other people to wear their little swoosh. Do you remember being 15, 16? Let's let's say the high school years. Yeah. And think about the conversation that we're having right now. Do you think you would have even had one-tenth of this discussion no, back then. No, no, no. As an idea, branding wasn't something that was conscious. People were doing it unconsciously. Mm-hmm. In those like days. school uniforms, the colors. Underwear, the yellow yeah, went right. when you brought, you know, so these advertising jingles, television caused a lot of that. Although in radio, of course, there was advertising, Chesterfield sure. cigarettes, Lucky Strikes, and they had their jingles and their pet phrases that they wanted you to associate with their product. So branding was happening, but we didn't think about it as branding. It was almost like it wasn't premeditated. Yeah, in a sense it was, but we didn't think of it that way. But now we know that everything that comes at us is an aspect of some kind of branding intention. Mm -hmm. And we're more wary. That's the key word though, isn't it? Intention. We didn't think of things as intentional. Mm-hmm. when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Well, we were naive Yes, in that sense. Uh, but it also was not as pervasive. The rinks and the stadiums weren't emblazoned with advertising everywhere. Mm-hmm. There was a point where there was nothing on the boards at all. Exactly. Just blank. And now it's plastered yeah, Their with jerseys had their numbers and their jerseys. names. Everything has... Yeah. yeah, now everything is branded all over the place. You can't get Hockey away from sticks, it. Hockey sticks, gloves, everything. everything. You can't get away from it now. And in some respects, Big Brother is watching you through the branding that is happening. Mm-hmm. It's also a visual cacophony. Yeah. Oh, sure. When we were younger, what did we see? We went on the highway and we saw the odd billboard passing right. us. We'd hear the odd thing on the radio... The odd commercials on TV, which were there, mm-hmm. and that was it. You didn't see it elsewhere. I know. Now you see it everywhere. On no every way. coffee cup? Every coffee cup. Every, every pen. Every pen, pencil, every straw, everything has crazy, the brand. Isn't it? Right? So it's a phenomenon that... It's no uh, wonder people run to the hills for log cabins and forests. Yeah, and the quiet of the non-branded world, mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. And you can make so much noise without one iota of sound. I love that. We should finish on that note. That's a great note to finish this podcast on. Hmm. So until the next one, ciao, Peter. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast. Perspectives on Art and Technology is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. <laughs>